0: Book second chapter eight of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Roe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book second chapter eight, an impulse. For nearly an hour, I sat listlessly in my chair and watched the shadows lengthen across the valley. Suddenly, an impulse seized me, and I resolved to obey it. If I can go downstairs tomorrow. I can go just as well to-night, I said, and go I will. She shall not have a shadow on her first evening with her lover and she's too good-hearted to enjoy it wholly if she thinks I'm moping and sighing in my room. Moreover, I shall not let my shadows make a background for the banker's general prosperity. Stately and patronizing he cannot help being and Miss Warren may lead him to think that he is under some obligation to me. I wish he might never hear of it but by vulcan and his sledge he shall have no cause to pity me while he unctuously rubs his hands in self-felicitation as far as my strength permitted i made a careful toilet and sat down to wait as the sun sank below the horizon the banker appeared very appropriate i muttered but his presence would make it dark at midday miss warren was talking with animation and pointing out the surrounding objects of interest and he was listening with a wonderfully complacent smile on his smooth full face how prosperous he looks i muttered the idea of anything going contrary to his will or wishes then i saw that a little girl sat on the front seat with reuben and that he was letting her drive but with his hand hovering near the reins mr and mrs yocomb came out and greeted mr hearn cordially and he in return was very benign for it was evident that in their place and station he found them agreeable people and quite to his mind why doesn't he take off his hat to mrs yocomb as if she were a duchess i growled that trunk that fills half the rockaway doesn't look as if he had come to spend sunday only perhaps we are destined to make a happy family i wonder who the little girl is the banker was given what was known as the parlor bedroom on the ground floor and i heard ada taking the little girl to her room miss warren did not glance at my window on her return she would have been happy enough had i remained here and sighed like a furnace i muttered grimly well idiot why shouldn't she be she had evidently lingered to say something to mrs yocomb but i soon heard her light step pass up to her room now's my chance i thought mrs yocomb is preparing for supper and all the rest are out of the way and i slipped down the stairs with noiseless and rather unsteady tread excitement however lent me a transient strength and i felt as if the presence of the banker would give me sinews of steel i entered the parlor unobserved and taking my old seat from which i had watched the approach of the memorable storm i waited events The first one to appear was the banker, rubbing his hands in a way that suggested a habit of complacency and self-felicitation. He started slightly on seeing me, and then said graciously, Mr. Morton, I presume? You are correct, Mr. Hearn. I congratulate you on your safe arrival. Thanks. I've traveled considerably, and have never met with an accident. Glad to see you are able to be down for from what I heard I feared you had not sufficiently recovered. "'I'm much better to-day, sir,' I replied briefly. "'Well, this air, these scenes ought to impart health and content. "'I'm greatly pleased already, and congratulate myself on finding so pleasant a place of summer sojourn. "'It will form a delightful contrast to great hotels and jostling crowds.' I now saw Miss Warren, through the half-open door, talking to Mrs. Yocomb, they evidently thought the banker was conversing with Mr. Yocomb. Instead of youthful ardor and bubbling happiness, the girl's face had a grave, sedate aspect that comported well with her coming dignities. Then she looked distressed. Was Mrs. Yocomb telling her of my profane and awful mood? I lent an inattentive ear to Mr. Hearn's excellent reasons for satisfaction with his present abode, and in the depths of my soul I thought— if she's worrying about me now, how good-hearted she is. I already foresee, Mr. Hearn proceeded, in his full-orbed tones, that it will also be just the place for my little girl, safe and quiet, with very nice people to associate with. Yes, I said emphatically, they are nice people, the best I ever knew. Miss Warren started violently, took a step toward the door, then paused, and Mrs. Yocomb entered first why richard morton she exclaimed what does thee mean by this imprudence i mean to eat a supper that will astonish you i replied laughing but i didn't give thee leave to come down you said i could come to-morrow so i haven't disobeyed in spirit miss warren still stood in the hall but seeing that i had recognized her she came forward and gave me her hand as she said no one is more glad than i that you are able to come down Her words were very quiet but the pressure of her hand was so warm as to surprise me and i also noted that what must have been a vivid color was fading from her usually pale face i saw too that mr hearn was watching us keenly oh but you are shrewd i thought i wish you had cause to suspect i returned her greeting with great apparent frankness and cordiality as i replied oh i'm much better to-night and as jolly as mark tapley well ejaculated mrs yocomb thee has stolen a march on us but i'm afraid thee'll be the worse for it ah mrs yocomb i laughed your captive has escaped i'm going to meeting with you to-morrow no thee isn't i feel as if i ought to take thee right back to thy room Mr. Yocomb, I cried to the old gentleman, who now stood staring at me in the doorway, I appeal to you, can't I stay down to supper? How's this, how's this? he exclaimed. We were going to give thee a grand ovation to-morrow, and mother had planned a dinner that might content an alderman. Or a banker, I thought, as I glanced at Mr. Hearn's ample waistcoat, but I leaned back in my chair and laughed heartily as I said, You cannot get me back to my room mrs yocomb now that i know i've escaped an ovation i'd rather have a toothache but does thee really feel strong enough oh yes i never felt better in my life i don't know what to make of thee she said with a puzzled look no i replied you little knew what a case i was when you took me in hand i'll stand up for thee friend morton thee shall stay down to supper and have what thee pleases thee may as well give in mother he's out from under thy thumb my dear sir you talk as if you were out too i fear our mutiny may go too far to-morrow is sunday mrs yocomb and i'll be as good as i know how all day which after all is not promising much it must be very delightful for you to have secured such good friends began mr hearn who perhaps felt that he had stood too long in the background i congratulate you at the same time mr and mrs yocomb with a courtly bend toward them i do not wonder at your feelings for emily has told me that mr morton behaved very handsomely during that occasion of peril did i i remarked with a wry face i was under the impression that i looked very ridiculous and i turned a quick mischievous glance toward miss warren who seemed well content to remain in the background yes she said laughing your appearance did not comport with your deeds i'm not so sure about that i replied dryly at any rate i much prefer the present to reminiscences i trust that you will permit me as one of the most interested parties to thank you also began mr hearn impressively no indeed sir i exclaimed a little brusquely Thanks do not agree with my constitution at all. Hurrah! cried Reuben, looking in at the parlor window. Yes, here's the man to thank, I resumed. Even after being struck by lightning, he was equal to the emergency. No, thee don't, Richard, laughed Reuben. Thee needn't think thee's going to palm that thing off on me. We've all come to our senses now. For some reason Miss Warren laughed heartily, and then said to me, you look so well and genial to-night that i do begin to think it was some other tramp i fear i'm the same old tramp for as reuben says we have all come to our senses thee didn't lose thy senses richard till after thee was sick twas mighty lucky thee wasn't struck explained the matter-of-fact reuben you must permit me to echo the young lad's sentiment said mr hearn feelingly it was really a providence that you escaped and kept such a cool clear head i fear i made another very wry face as i looked out of the window reuben evidently had not liked the term young lad but as he saw my expression he burst out laughing as he said what's the matter richard i guess thee thinks thee had the worst of it after all so thee has broke out mr Yocomb thee didn't know what an awful scrape i was getting thee into when i brought thee home from meeting never was a stranger so taken in before i don't believe thee'll ever go to friends meeting again and the old gentleman laughed heartily but tears stood in his eyes in spite of myself my color was rising and i saw that mrs yocomb and miss warren looked uncomfortably conscious of what must be in my mind but i joined in his laugh as i replied you are mistaken had i a prophet's eye i would have come home with you the kindness received in this home has repaid me a thousand times with a sick bear on their hands mrs yocomb and miss ada were in a worse scrape than i well thee hasn't growled as much as i expected laughed mrs yocomb and now thee's a very amiable bear indeed and shall have thy supper at once and she turned to depart smiling to herself but met in the doorway ada and the little stranger a girl of about the same age as zillah with large vivid black eyes and long hair zillah was following her timidly with a face full of intense interest in her new companion but the moment she saw me she ran and sprang into my arms and forgetful of all others cried gladly oh i'm so glad so glad these well The impulse must have been strong to make so shy a child forget the presence of strangers. I whispered in her ear, I told you that your kiss would make me well. Yes, but these said Emily Warren's roses, too, protested the little girl. Did I? I replied, laughing. Well, there's no escaping the truth in this house. I dared not look at Miss Warren, but saw that Mr. Hearn's eyes were on her. Confound him, I thought can he be fool enough to be jealous ada still stood hesitatingly in the doorway as if she dared not trust herself to enter i put sylla down and crossing the room in a free frank manner i took her hand cordially as i said miss ada i must thank you next to mrs yocomb that i am able to be down this evening and that i am getting well so fast you have been the best of nurses and just as kind and considerate as a sister I'm going to have the honor of taking you out to supper." I placed her hand on my arm, and its thrill and tremble touched my very soul. In my thoughts I said, it's all a wretched muddle, and, as the banker said, mysterious enough to be a providence. But at that moment the ways of providence seemed very bright to the young girl, and she saw Mr. Hearn escorting Miss Warren with undisguised complacency. As the latter took her seat I ventured to look at her and if ever a woman's eyes were eloquent with warm approving friendliness hers were i seemingly had done the very thing she would have wished me to do as we bowed our heads in grace i was graceless enough to growl under my breath my attentions to Ada are evidently very satisfactory can she imagine for a moment does she take me for a weather-vane when grace was over i glanced toward her again a trifle indignantly but her face now was quiet and pale and i was compelled to believe that for the rest of the evening she avoided my eyes and all references to the past why mother exclaimed mr yocomb from the head of the table thy cheeks are as red why thee looks like a young girl thee knows i'm very much pleased to-night she said does thee remember richard when thee first sat down to supper with us indeed i do never shall i forget my trepidation lest mr yocomb should discover whom in his unsuspecting hospitality he was harboring well i've discovered laughed the old gentleman good is always coming out of nazareth it seems to me that we've met before remarked mr hearn graciously and reflectively yes sir i explained as a reporter i called on you once or twice for information ah now it comes back to me yes yes i remember and i also remember that you did not extract the information as if it had been a tooth your manner was not that of a professional interviewer you must meet with disagreeable experiences in your calling yes sir but perhaps that is true of all callings yes no doubt no doubt but it has seemed to me that a reporter's lot must frequently bring him in contact with much that is disagreeable "'Mr. Morton is not a reporter,' said Ada a trifle indignantly. "'He's the editor of a first-class paper.' "'Indeed,' exclaimed Mr. Hearn, growing much more benign. "'Why, Emily, you did not tell me that.' "'No, I only spoke of Mr. Morton as a gentleman. "'I imagine that Miss Warren thinks that I have mistaken my calling and that I ought to be a gardener.' that's an odd impression mr yocomb would not even trust you to weed she retorted quickly i have a fellow feeling for weeds they grow so easily and naturally but i must correct your impressions miss ada i'm not the dignitary you imagine only an editor and an obscure night one at that your night work on one occasion bears the light very well i hope it may be the earnest of the future said mr hearn impressively I felt that he had a covert meaning, for he had glanced more than once at Miss Warren when he spoke, and I imagined him a little anxious as to our mutual impressions. "I feel it my duty to set you right also, Mister Hearn," I replied with quiet emphasis, for I wished to end all future reference to that occasion. "Through Mister and Missus Yocomb's kindness I happened to be an inmate of the farmhouse that night. I merely did what any man would have done, and could have done just as well my action involved no personal peril and no hardship worth naming my illness resulted from my own folly i'd been overworking or overworked as so many in my calling are conscious that i am not in the least heroic i do not wish to be imagined a hero mrs yocomb knows what a bear i've been i concluded with a humorous nod toward her yes i know richard she said quietly smiling after this statement in prose mr hearn you will not be led to expect more from me than from any ordinary mortal indeed sir i like your modesty your self-depreciation i beg your pardon i interrupted a little decisively i hope you do not think my words had any leaning toward affectation i wished to state the actual truth my friends here have become too kind and partial to give a correct impression mr hearn waved his hand very benignly and his smile was graciousness itself as he said i think i understand you sir and respect your sincerity i've been led to believe that you cherish a high and scrupulous sense of honor and that trait counts with me far more than all others i understood him well oh you are shrewd i thought but i'd like to know what obligations i'm under to you I merely bowed a trifle coldly to his tribute and suggestive statement, and turned the conversation. As I swept my eyes around the table a little later, I thought Miss Warren looked paler than usual. Does she understand his precautionary measures, I thought? He'd better beware, she would not endure distrust. End of Book Second Chapter Eight